Into the storm. To the storm. I've actually got that. To the American void. Yeah. We hold so dear, dear yet, yet fear as we, as we evolve. evolve. All right. Hey, guys. Hey, uh, and I are here with Conrad and Jason from And You Are Now Spoiler Trailer Dead. Set They're actually doing their set for us right now. <laughs> Trying to get him to practice his fucking lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, guys? Tired. Thanks, um, thanks uh, very much Conrad's for joining us. in a great mood. <laughs> I had a one and a half hour physiotherapy session today. Right. And it's relaxed all my muscles and now I just want to go back to bed. Oh, man. I'm, okay. Yeah, I'm very sorry so that I'm we're... I'm very uh, in pain. In pain and pleasure at the same time. We'll try and uh, we'll try and keep this as as no if you want to lie down while whilst we're no, doing good. this, that's totally cool. It's just nice to be in a warm area. Good, mm. yeah. nice, um, guys. We uh, we we were very very positive about your last record when we reviewed it on the show. Yeah. Um, Ten, uh, the Godless Void, and other stories. It's a record which I think is rare for a band to have been together for so long and to bring out a record of such quality i would say 10 records down the line it's it's not something which often happens that you get a band who, who get that deep in their career and still make something which is as good as pretty much anything that they've put out before um as a band who've done lots and lots of different things and have explored various kind of sonic things over the years how difficult and how daunting is it when you this deep into your career to go into a new record and kind of start from scratch of going right how do we continue this streak that we've been on? Well, it's not that difficult because we've never been a successful band, so we don't have any expectations to live up to. And it's not like we've got like millions of fans around the world. We just have like some niche fans that listen to our music, so <laughs> we can we can kind of like wallow in our obscurity and kind of use that as a shield from you know prying eyes or the press. Surely, popular uh, your own personal pride of what you do. You want to kind of match. The it's always that you about do, though, what surely. we want to do. Yeah, so it kind of yeah, how I, we. I feel like we've always had this sort of approach where we're like, whatever's going on in 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 the mainstream or whatever's happening around us, we're sort of we don't really pay attention to it as much, and we just kind of go into our own world of you know and trying to like write music that we we truly love you know or that we think that would uh inspire us or what we would want to listen to i guess in the end you know there were there were some allusions to a book called um the war of art the stephen pressfield's book in mm -hmm. the um like press notes and stuff though and i i haven't read that book myself but i looked up a little bit about it and it's from what i can gather and correct me if i'm wrong it's essentially a, a self-help book for writer's block in a sense is, is that correct it was written by a writer okay and i think that he was writing it uh, specifically for other writers but i think it applies to anybody that's in a creative field yeah yeah and 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 it, it was mentioned in the notes that this had an influence on this record so am i wrong to assume that there was a little bit of writer's block going into this record or am i putting two and two together and making five there or it was like um well we didn't have a deadline set per se so it wasn't like we had anything specific to shoot for but there was a certain like i i was definitely feeling a certain kind of creative um i don't know anxiety i suppose but 
it probably had as much to do with trying to match what we'd done in the past it had you know like as it did trying to evolve yeah i i feel like um well one conrad moved back from cambodia Mm -hmm. and we were kind of readjusting to like getting sort of our the creative gears you know going and we we had a practice space that we were trying to write a bunch of music in and it was just was kind of like we had a lot of jams and things that just went all over the place but i guess it was more of an exercise than than than, you know like a creative exercise just to kind of start writing you know yeah i get the sense that you were somewhat reluctant to leave cambodia Conrad, is that to correct? Leave? To leave, yeah. Oh, that... I didn't want to leave at all. Okay. I had to leave, yeah. yeah. It had to do with my American immigration status. I see, okay. But, um... Because there's a certain sort of sadness about um, things you have to leave behind. Yeah. That as a theme that mm-hmm. I, I picked sure. up on the record. Yeah, it's definitely on the record. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a universal one. I think we've all experienced that, having mm-hmm. to go away from things and, you know... It's kind of a Buddhist thing about change, being constant, you know, it's like uh, you just kind of accept it. And, uh, but I knew that that would be, it would throw me into a ne- you know, another creative cycle, which was always something to look forward to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think you guys have had a, it's been a really interesting career that you guys have had as somebody who's been listening to you guys for uh, close to sort of two decades now. Um, what i i think the the space in which you came up in which i guess would be kind of considered the the sort of death rattle of the music industry of of what it was in the especially in the kind of post nirvana world Mm. like there was a small period where you know trail of dead existed in that um one of many bands that were kind of um pushed forward into that that next nirvana kind of position um, around Madonna. I guess, yeah, around the kind of Madonna, Source Tags and Codes era. Mm. Um, what was that like for you guys at the time as a kind of young band? And how do you think it's kind of affected your career? And what changes have have you seen in your career as that as as the industry has kind of adapted and changed around you? Uh, I kind of feel like maybe we tried to not let that be affect us mm. you know try to again try to do what we normally do we just we wanted to make records that we like you know and that we believed in so i mean we were on a major label and but the pressure from them was never i don't think there was a lot of pressure from no them. not at all they yeah. re- they really gave us carte blanche as far as creativity went yeah jimmy Iving was like mm. <laughs> you know you guys do what you need to do. Yeah. So it didn't feel like they've got to be, they've got to succeed and become the next Nirvana. You know, mm-hmm. that, that was not ever around us. You know, that none of our, you know, people around at the time. We were more interested in being the next U2. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean <laughs> it kind of been in a weird, you know, but like early U2, obviously. Not, yeah. Not the U2 that we That's my favorite. That's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Well, go into you, yeah. do your U2 conversation. Yeah. Well, no, like that, <coughs> the, they're basically one of my favorite. That, that period is yeah. sort of my favorite so, thing ever. I mean, we were thinking, we're not thinking of like pop or, you know. <laughs> no, 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 no. Or, you know. The Unforgettable Fire. And yeah. Yeah. Unforgettable Fire and Boy and, and, and you 
and Joshua Tree for us, you know. So like, just the good elements of that would if we if we could reach something to that degree, then that was that was more of our our kind of our goal, you know, not mm-hmm. Nirvana. Mm. Yeah, yeah. There must have been some things which were difficult to ignore, though. I always, one of the things, first things I always talk about when I talk about your band in the press or anyone who doesn't know them is the sort of infamous, not even infamous, famous Pitchfork review. That's kind of like one of the things that we were just like, uh, why? That's why we call this album 10. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And they gave us an 8, but whatever, 7.8 or something. But that's that's crazy to think because that puts you in a category of Radiohead, um, Bob Dylan. I think is another one that they gave ten. You know, I mean, did you just sort of ign- try and ignore all that those sort of pressures that were coming from the press? Well, at the time, I didn't. We didn't. I don't think we even knew what Pitchfork was. Right. Was yeah. Coming up, but no, those aren't the day-to-day things that we struggle when we're working on music. Those just aren't. Those aren't the things that we think about. Mm. You know, there's this whole, like, at least for me, there's a very big, like, almost analytical academic side of music that is far more um, absorbing, I suppose, self-absorbing in some ways, you know, where each song is kind of like an exploration into a certain aspect of music that I'm curious about, whether it's like polyrhythms or, or atonality or things like that. And those are the things that I think when we're in the studio, that's what I'm, I struggle with. Those are the, the, I'm not looking at reading music review magazines. I'm reading like, you know, you know, J.S. Box analysis of (laughs) treaties on music, you know, that shit like that, like that I want, I'm trying to create something that's going to be an interesting to a listener, not to a music reviewer, you Mm. know. Were there, were there recurring musical motifs and themes that came up for 10, The Godless Voids? Yeah, absolutely. This was a huge album, um, I think, uh, on technically speaking. We were working with a lot of... We were learning things. It was the first time I had uh, like some semblance of a studio in my house that I was right. using to do overdubs. And then I was experimenting a lot with synthesizers and things like that. Um, Things like that mean real synthesizers and then fake synthesizers, you know, virtual ones. Uh-huh. And we were using that a lot when we were making overdubs, and I was trying to get as playful as possible. Yeah. Because it's always fun to keep it playful, you know, not keep mm-hmm. it too serious. There was definitely, like, I don't know, you know, I think as far as, like, motifs, we were thinking of, I mean, at least for me, I was thinking of more of the darker 80s pop, you know, that we grew up listening to um 80s stuff. pop like la tigra yeah <laughs> <laughs> no like uh, you know like talk talk and mm. oh uh, yeah that we were, was fun we were kind of went through this weird thing we were like and then he died yeah right when we were recording yeah. working on that yeah we had I, a similar we've we, we talk mm. about talk talk on this show all the time yeah. Yeah. i was trying um, to get my vocal like to i was like told my producer like i really want the effects that he uses for it's my life just that vocal effect whatever it is and he's like sure let's check it out so we put a live version of the song on like them at montreux or something that is amazing yeah and we're looking at it i was like wait a second that's not an effect that's how he sings that's his real voice 
Yes. Yeah. He just sings like that. So glad you said <laughs> like, that. Oh, shit. So glad you said that because I banged that drum so fucking hard yeah. recently. <laughs> yeah. like, to the point where you're like, oh, for God's sake. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I, I like talk, talk, to be yeah. clear. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. The Montreux show, my God. You know, just more of like the stuff that was more moodier um, for me Peter Gabriel but beautiful too yeah mm. moodier Peter Gabriel melt album you know yeah I mean I went f- just to have a reference you know just to kind of like get inspiration mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I don't know if it necessarily like maybe it affected the album a little bit but you know in the end you kind of have to sort of sort of like find things you know music or, or books or whatever that you movies that could kind of like spark what you want to write about and mm. what you want to you know, yeah it's funny we were talking to a band another band who I have a sort of similar feeling as I did to you guys that being Code Orange regarding the the sort of influences they have in their record a lot of them are movie directors and colours and art and right. books and stuff like that and for me you know not if, chicks <laughs> no, not so much. Surprisingly no. not, no. no. And, um, and, you know, they, they. it seems to me that a lot of the very, very best bands, the most unique sounding bands, often don't use, you know, hey, we want to start a pop punk band or right, we right. want to start a grunge band or we're yeah. from Seattle, so we need to sound like a Seattle band. Right. And it's really interesting to me to hear you guys talking about books and, you know, your environment and the, the kind of things that you were inspired and influenced by because... I kind of wish more bands. It feels like there's not a, not a lot of bands in the world at the moment who Look are influenced by anything other than sort of other contemporary music. popular music. You know, well, I feel like like for for me, like the bands like you know Pete Townsend from the Who, or like or even you know whatever, like even the Stones, they were like using art. Yeah, you know, as an influence for their music to kind of get somewhere with it. You know, mm. um, or using movie directors or whatever you know it's just I'm sure there's other bands that are inspired by class it seems like alt j would be inspired by classical music there definitely yeah. are yeah, yeah there definitely are other bands it's just um <laughs> they're quite uncommon in our right. experience which uh, is kind of you know i guess shame. you know we i just grew up like with bands that were trying to like kind of provoke some sort of conversation and i think mm. that's that's kind of mm. where know hopefully we're, we're in the same sort of it's interesting though you know, cause like now like uh rock has gotten you know it's like going on what 60 years old or whatever mm-hmm. but when we started i mean we didn't you know typically when you're you don't usually look back beyond rock you know like you're kind of like yeah you stop at that like 50s mark and mm-hmm. then you know it's not like bands that were in the 70s were inspired by Frank Sinatra or mm-hmm. like the war era music of Glenn Miller you know they just went from the 50s on and even now that seems to be like the that that wall you know you kind of stop there at the, at the 50s and well I don't know I mean I think when when you guys were sort of first coming through when I look at a few of your contemporaries like the, the White Stripes for example who were kind of lauded as this revolutionary original band who are essentially just taking kind of Delta Blue songs and reimagining them for the the new millennium, and they did sound fresh at the time point, yeah. because no one else was really doing that. But yeah, you're right. I think looking at other sort of earlier, mo- you know, musical trends, or you know, you mentioned a lot about Metallica's uh, 
of taking bark for example mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and being inspired by something like that so i think you know the best bands to me have always had very very wide influences in their their music and you know i, I feel like i can hear a lot of things that are outside of popular culture within your albums usually so you think we have a chance you think we stand a chance you think maybe <laughs> we can make it one well day? i mean it's the thing is you you're kind of an island I, I guess is what i'm saying um in terms of the, the music that you've released i feel rather than a you know a part of a scene we, we own a private island <laughs> <laughs> we're cer- certainly from it's like this <laughs> this is the private island <laughs> you're sitting nice. in it <laughs> Certainly, from drives a, around from a round press press round. kind of perspective, um, it's always exciting for us to get new Trail of Dead records. Yeah, but cool. at the same time, yeah. it's fucking difficult to describe what you guys do. So, <laughs> so when we, which is obviously part of our job, yeah, mm. um, it's a blessing and a curse. For it's us. a blessing. Well, of course, of course, it is. Mainly a curse. I, I can understand that. Mostly and a curse. I can, <laughs> I can Probably understand. Entirely just a curse. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you when you pick a genre, a band like that is a death metal, black mm-hmm. metal band, mm-hmm. is at a massive advantage because they have a built-in audience. Mm-hmm. If they're going to be black metal, then people that listen to black metal are going to go to see them. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're the we'll tell them they're not very really black specific metal. about mm-hmm. your, the more specific you are about your genre the more you have a built-in audience. Mm. And it's always struggled for us because when people ask us what we do, I always am inclined to say we play rock and roll, mm-hmm. you know, but then that's gonna make people think we play like 50s music. Um, there is, I mean, but that's what I think it all is. And you know, it all, to me, it's all rock and roll. It's just like fucking what Billy Joel said, you know, like it never, it never occurred to me that we needed to say anything other than just, you know, we say art rock sometimes because mm-hmm. it's, just trying to be arty but then that's very pretty vague as well you yeah. know i don't think it's your job to to describe what you do to be fair i it think is. it's ours yeah, exactly. but but um <laughs> you know I, I do i do genuinely I, I don't think it's up to you guys but um i mean comparisons we've made in the past we sometimes we just say they're a bit like the beatles and that's I a bit of a be- lazy thing for us to say because it's just like the beatles did shit loads of stuff and so did trailer i mean it isn't lazy because mm. i'm sure you are i would imagine you're influenced by the beatles because who isn't but you know, sorry. No, no. I was going to say I, I usually the Beatles is always my first go-to point, and I don't That's really crazy. think you sound like the Beatles particularly. No, but I just no. think it's. I don't think you anyone mean the approach. In the, I think yeah. the approach yeah. is because yeah, they the were same. like, well, we could do this. We could yeah, do that. yeah. We write this style of music, yeah. and it won't. Because it's still the Beatles. Rubber Soul doesn't sound like Sgt. Pepper. And, particularly, and Lost Songs doesn't sound like Ten. Yeah. And Sgt. Pepper's was, was made as a record to go, well, how do you play this live? And I listened to something, you know, like, um, well, there's been a few of your albums I listen to, and I go, I don't know how you're going to do that live. <laughs> Just sort of six pe- five, six people. Quite a lot of this record, actually. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to do it. Yeah. Like. I mean, Worlds Apart was the one where I was like, <laughs> yeah. How, yeah. F- how are you going to take that on tour? Like yeah, I just, yeah. it, it felt like this. Struggled. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm we sure. We struggled playing it live, but it, we pulled it off. It just takes certain songs. Yeah, certain songs. We didn't do everything. Um, and I, and I guess with this album too, there's a lot of songs that translate live, and and then there's ones that we're we're probably gonna have to rethink how we're gonna play. That's the addition of the keyboard player. Yeah, yeah, mm. we did get a, a keyboard player, which definitely adding to the yeah what we've done on this new album you know so it's kind of like if, if, if 
it's helping a lot. I'm glad you brought up Talk Talk at Montreux because listening yeah. to their albums and then watching that show, yeah. it feels like two completely different set of songs. And often in the times when I've seen you guys, yeah. I feel like the the live versions of the songs you do often bear not no resemblance at all, but very little resemblance to they're very kind of stylistically different. I, I feel like they, that you can be wildly stylistically different live to how you sound on record. And that, again, is, I think that's just, I mean, that's cool. But that's kind yeah. of the excitement is that you're not going to see just this duplicated version of what mm. we do. There's more of an, a raw energy. And that's kind of like something we've always retained, regardless of how tired we can be. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, Matt. Like I agree. Like you, you know, we see a lot of bands live yeah. for our job, and and you get those bands who basically replicate the record yeah. almost exactly, right. and that's great in a way. But at the same time, it's not particularly exciting. Did, did Kate Bush ever do Hello Earth live? I wonder. No. She might That'd have done one of those Hammersmith shows. What's that? The the Hell on Earth, uh, Kate Bush. Uh, so Hello she played like Earth. she played like um, yeah, thirty she, shows at Hammersmith Apollo. I don't I know if she did she Hell on Earth. That. Yeah, I don't know. So amazing. Um, but um, uh, yeah, I think that having that kind, there's always been that sort of punk edge that has come through, and I don't mean as a genre, yeah. but more as a sort of aesthetic and. Attitude. Yeah, I mean, attitude. Yeah, that's kind of like where we've come from too. You know, that's kind of like the early days of you know going doing like house shows and um, you know all our friends having these ragtag bands. The you know, live thing is about entertaining, right. keeping an audience entertained, yeah, and making them. And we want them to walk away, not necessarily saying oh that that sounded just like the record but saying you know that was that that show made them happy that they were happy to see and you know we we get people telling us that they're happy with the live show even if it sounded like shit yeah. you know they'll be like it sounded like shit but you guys were great yeah it was great <laughs> seeing you guys seeing you guys perform that stuff and so that is important to me and they're looking for something that will convey an emotion that you know they feel when they listen to music but they can't necessarily maybe um, articulate themselves mm -hmm. in their own words and and so I mean that's why people listen to music I suppose it's just to find that to kind of that emotion that allows you to I don't know conjure up that that joy, you know, it can be sadness too, but that's a type of, you know, type of a joy as well. Yeah. You yeah. Know. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask because you mentioned it a minute ago, comrades, kind of jokingly. Uh, do you at all ever feel slightly um, disappointed with? I mean, when you mentioned sort of being the next U two or trying to be the next U yeah. two, yeah. <laughs> do you feel that commercially speaking and the you know the shows you're doing and for the music that you've put out is there a sense of frustration that you haven't um, that we're failures yeah not that you're failures no. because you're not failures oh we're failures no you're not that's the thing you're not you let me put it this that. way you let me put it this way and i'll explain why we're a failure um i have 500 dollars in my bank account and i don't own a car i'm a failure more than I have. we are financially 
barely getting by, and we always have been. We've never been able to make much of a success at what we do. We get to tour, we get to put out records, we get to play in front of people, and we get to have our music appreciated, but that is it. We barely live off of what we do. And so do I feel like a failure when I see all these other bands that we've played with that are financially successful? Yeah, of course I do. But I also understand that they're in some ways much better managed than we've allowed ourselves to be, and we've made those mistakes, and that's just something that we live with. That's only if you see money. <laughs> that's, that's only if you see sort of money. Yes. <laughs> that's only if you see money as sorry? the actual... I'm just trying to pay my fucking bills. Yeah, yeah sure, yeah. sure. And I think it's a reality. And it sucks because, like, I feel like there there have been more than enough times where we should be not having to struggle, but our struggle is, I guess, maybe part of the creative process as well. So you know, I'm. It it is a it is a a, uh, a give and a take because I think that if. In some ways, if there, I had a, we had to achieve the success that I dreamt of, we maybe wouldn't have made this album. Mm. Maybe we would have made a shittier record, like the shitty songs that we hear on the radio. Well, <laughs> I mean, exactly that. I don't yeah. think there's kind of. I mean, there's no, there's no accounting for taste, is there? Is what I think. I well, mean. Steve started this by saying it's very rare that bands uh, ten albums in continue to make not only good work but debatably some of their best work and we personally both think that ten's one of the best what mm. not of I don't think it's either of our favourites but it is one of our favourite Dead Records. Yeah. And well, the, the Foo Fighters aren't doing that. Yeah exactly, exactly. If if mm. if you Thank were you. Well just don't off. ever get the impression we drive around in limousines and uh, you know spend a lot of money on clothes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anyone think, thinks that. I don't think anyone <laughs> listening to this will think that. Because, no. I mean, we talk about bands who, um, and the, the financial day struggles and, and day yeah. jobs and uh, yeah. all the time. Yeah. And, you know, um, the chair was kicked out of the music industry, you know, um, not long after you guys started. Which yeah, I mean, like, I guess CDs, you know, stopped exactly. selling. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's been a lot of, I guess, just it's this crazy... You know, whirlwind of, of, I don't know, where are we going with the music industry, and you know, mm. how is it? How are people going to survive off of their art? Mm-hmm. And you know, streaming seems to be the answer at the moment, and you know, and does that it's really? The, it's the direction we're going in, but yeah. is it the answer? No, I mean, yeah, it's not. It's the quote answer for yeah, for the unquote, industry, yeah. not something that I think is the complete answer, but. Yeah not very good for you guys at the end of the day really. it's not gonna it's not gonna increase our revenue that's for sure yeah mm. it's a uh, I feel like you know it's a very complicated sort of situation that when you do music you the financial side is real you know and that there's all that art and commerce come together and sometimes it doesn't always work out mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it, it, it just has to be it when, it does, when it does, oh, yeah. Woo! yeah, it's a big party. limos, and really boring albums. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I, should I wrap up? I've got one more sure. question that I go thinking. for it. Yeah. Um, so, um, I mean, again, it's been uh, pushed through in the p- press materials a lot. I don't know how much of. Um, how much stock you put in the fact that it's been 25 years since you started this band. Do you see that as a milestone? Is this just another year for you? D- does does 
it being 25 years since no, the it's very stuff. significant it feels yeah. very good you know of course it doesn't feel like 25 it went by very fast cool. yeah yeah it, d- it definitely uh, doesn't feel like 25 years it, we, even though we've seen a lot and done a lot it's just it seems like seriously it was like yesterday that we were you know coming over here for the first time to play shows in the UK, you know, mm. hanging out with Mogwai and who brought us over, oh, and, you know, yeah. playing this Glasgow 13th note, <laughs> you know, so. Uh, you right. friends with Mogwai? Um, yeah, remember <laughs> those guys? <laughs> <laughs> well, Talk Talk is, is his, like one of his favorite, Mogwai is oh. one of my favorites, so okay. you literally just like, um, I don't know. <laughs> Ticks both the boxes. Ticks both boxes. Ticks yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me too and talk talk. All our faves. Um, yeah, well, lads, um, oh, we really appreciate you coming on. Thanks very much for chatting Thanks to us. For us. Um, we're looking forward to the show tonight. I just okay. going to say, actually, uh, I took my ex-girlfriend to see you in yeah. 2009, okay. and we split up. And then I took my <laughs> girlfriend I was going at the time, who's now my ex-wife, to see you guys in 2015. <laughs> so uh, my current girlfriend will not be coming to the show tonight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you keep breaking up my relationships. But oh, no. apart from that, I have nothing but love for you. Maybe, it's a good, maybe we're doing you a favor. I think you are. Well, those two examples, yeah, 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 yeah. you absolutely you are. Out, you absolutely are. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the show. Yeah, and uh, again, well done on the record. Right. It's very, Thank very you. good. Thanks, Thanks. Thanks. Thank you for coming so on. Thanks very much. Right. Cheers. Right on.